Welcome to the Fieldcraft Survival Podcast. This is the best podcast on the radio, iTunes, wherever you're listening, Apple. And I will tell you that it's the greatest because of our sponsors. They definitely help us make this podcast really, really great by bringing in uh, fantastic people, having interesting conversations with them. And like I said, it wouldn't be possible without our, our sponsors. So let's talk about these sponsors. And the first being Black Rifle Coffee. Guys, we drink Black Rifle Coffee here like it's going out of style. Uh, we have K-Cups in our studio where I'm recording this podcast. We have Black Rifle Coffee flowing freely over at our HQ, the headquarters that you can find all the products in over in Heber. And we got Black Rifle Coffee on every single course and everything that we do. So not only are they very, very good friends, they produce a fantastic product that keeps us running. If you go over to their website, which is blackriflecoffee.com, and use the coupon code CRAFT15, you will get 15% off of your order. But realize that that does exclude new releases. Uh, I can talk. New releases, uh, the bundles, the ready-to-drink stuff, so the stuff in the cans. But it will include some of the products that you know and love, including the whole bean coffee bags, the ground coffee bags, and the instant coffee that I bring on all my camping trips. So please check them out. Go to blackriflecoffee.com, use the coupon code Fieldcraft, you'll get 15% off. Another sponsor we want to talk about, uh, these are the folks that make it possible for us to run courses here in Utah on their gorgeous 2,500 acre property. These are the folks from Kafaru. Kafaru.net is the website. Been using their stuff since 2006. I've been to their factory a number of times. I've gone camping with Aaron, gone camping with the original owner. Um, I will tell you that Kafaro gear is meant to last. As a professional survival instructor, I've been using this stuff for a long time. And not only does it never really wear out, um, if by chance you do have someone that screws with your gear or breaks it on you just because they're negligent, Kafaro has an awesome, awesome uh, customer service center. And I highly, highly recommend that you guys check them out. Um, because they know how to take care of their customers. By the way, if you call Kafaru, ask for Angie, tell Angie that Kevin sent you. Angie's a sweetheart and she's always hooked me up. So guys, go over to kafaru.net, see what they have to offer. All right, next sponsor, Triarch Systems. Guys, Triarch Systems are in the hands of a lot of our instructors here at Fieldcraft. Triarch takes existing firearms that are already fantastic firearms and they make them even better if that's even possible. They will do custom slide cuts. They will do uh, trigger jobs. They will do all sorts of customization in terms of refinishing, and they will improve your accuracy. They will improve the way that the firearm has, uh, you know, it's, it fits together. They just take existing guns and make them better. Uh, they are magicians. They are wizards. So if you guys go over to their website, which is triarchsystems.com, and you use the coupon code FIELDCRAFT, you will get... 5% off of your order. And today <laughs> with the way that ammo prices are 5%, you can still get a decent amount of ammo to run that awesome firearm with. So please check them out. Triarchsystems.com. Use the coupon code Fieldcraft. You'll get 5% off your order. All right. Final sponsor before we get down to this podcast are the good folks over at Hoist. I know Hoist sounds like moist, but this is something that you won't turn your head to. Guys, Hoist uh, is the name of the company. Drinkhoist.com is the website. 
Use the coupon code FUELCRAFT10 and you'll get 10% off of your order. Now, let's talk about hoist. Uh, there are a lot of folks out there that are looking for like the perfect electrolyte rehyd- uh, rehydration drink. And we've used a whole bunch out here in the high desert. Hoist is something that comes in very, very handy when you feel like you're not dehydrated, but you really are because you don't feel like you're sweating. And it's actually approved by the Department of Defense. Uh, It's clinically proven to rehydrate you 110% better and longer than water. Now, Hoist comes in five different bottled flavors and three different uh, powdered flavors. And it's great for exercise recovery, hangover relief, got the holidays coming up, or we just had them, uh, depending on where you are when you're listening to this. And I'll tell you, no one ever drinks spiked eggnog or has any drinks during holiday parties. This is the stuff that you want to drink the day after, the morning after. Um, It's great for using when you have to spend a lot of time in the heat and the sun. It definitely gives you hydration that you can feel. Has half the sugar, twice the electrolytes, no crazy sweeteners, uh, preservatives or dyes, and it's made here in the United States. So please check them out. Drinkhoist.com. Use the coupon code FIELDCRAFT10. You'll get 10% off. All right, let's go on to the podcast. Um, so yeah, I appreciate you coming out to drive here to do the podcast. That's a pleasure. Yeah. You're out of Boise, right? Yep. Yep. Um, so I've known of your company probably since early on. And I mean, your inception was like Oh three ish. Um, and then somewhere around, I, I want to say Oh five, Oh six, somewhere in there between, cause I did Afghanistan. Oh five. I did Iraq and Oh six, seven and eight, somewhere in there. I used your equipment and it became like, what's this thing? It's like, oh, that's that new bag. Right. And uh, what's fascinating is that was early on in my career. But at the start point of that career, when I became a sniper, then I became very intimate with your equipment because I evolved as a sniper, um, a sniper team sergeant. So I had a team full of snipers and we always had to have your gear yeah, because it was the only gear that was adaptable to long range movements for us and kind of austere environments, but also gave us a proper way to carry the gun. Right. Um, and, and where did that, where did that journey start for you with your company? Yeah, it, well, it's, it's, it, it's a strange story. Uh, you know, my, I, I have had several lives, um, many good, a few not. <laughs> yeah. That's the, everybody, right? Yeah. yeah. But, uh, in, in one of those early, uh, evolutions, well, I grew up as a ski racer and, uh, uh, did this all sports and in in snow skiing, but evolved into uh, the one uh, uh, where you carry a rifle on your back. Yeah. Biathlon. So as a biathlon, as a yeah. yeah, I was a on the U.S. national biathlon team for years. Really and, cool. And, yeah, and got involved in the design of the guns that we were carrying because I realized we could make them better. So I, I actually pioneered a, a, a better rifle, lighter weight that became the platform or the, I guess the, it set the baseline ultimately the baseline weight for the Olympic class biathlon rifles still wow. use now. So is that a 22? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So that whole experience, uh, first of all, you know, I was used to carrying a gun on my back, <laughs> yeah. getting it off and quickly and, and efficiently and putting it away, uh, you know, efficiently. Uh, and so that, and the, you know, the inherent mobility in carrying a biathlon rifle the way that we did, was just part of my experience with weapons yeah. you know, because I was a biathlete before I was anything else and before I was a hunter mm. or, or kind of concurrently, I guess, with that. Uh, but I'd, I'd done the thing where you carry a rifle on a sling over your shoulder and, you know, always 
wishing it wasn't someplace else after a little yeah, while. Yeah. And uh, um, so, I, and I was, uh, I was in the military, but I was a pilot. I wasn't, uh, uh, you know, an operator like you. Um, never really perceived the potential for changing that game until later in my in my journey. You know, I went from the experience of biathlon, where in truth that rifle work that I was doing in the '80s. Uh, I had a company called the Eberly Stock Company, and and it was a rifle stock company. And I had guys ask me to make hunting rifles, um, and I thought, well, gosh, you know, you're, I'm not making many biathlon rifles. Hard to make a living doing this. I, you know, I guess if I make make some hunting rifles, stocks for hunting rifles, um, there's a bigger market there. And then I started thinking about, you know, kind of looking at the gear used in hunting and realizing that there was all kinds of room for improvement yeah. in the 80s and early 90s. Mm -hmm. um, and so I started, you know, t tooling around with ideas for myself because I was a solo backcountry hunter. I'd go off into the boondocks of Idaho, the, you know, to the middle of the farthest bit of nowhere I could get to yeah. go elk hunting. And in the course of that, uh, you know, using your rifle as a brush guard coming down the mountain at night. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Made me uh, go, gosh, you know, I think there's a better way to do this. And I'd had, uh, uh, in 1987, uh, I was taking an industrial design course in college. And uh, and my brain was just firing in all kinds of places, you know, because I'd had this experience where I'd made a huge impact in the sport of biathlon. And I realized, you know, I can, I can do whatever I want. And, yeah. and so uh, uh, my coach at the time, my ski coach, uh, had been in Alaska as part of the army marksmanship unit and the, the early biathlon team. And he said to him something, you know, and he goes, Hey, you ought to make a backpack that carries a rifle, you know, cause guys up there in Alaska would really like that. And I was like, that's kind of a cool idea. Cause I was thinking about my own, you know, Idaho hunting experiences. And, uh, and then, yeah, I drew my first pack, um, in 1987, it was on paper and thought, you know, use that idea for years afterwards. So through the nineties, um, I was a military pilot and then later became an airline pilot and was on that different tra trajectory. But in my mind, I was always kind of working on this, you know, this idea, this, 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 I, I used to conceive of it as the, uh, the North face with guns, you know, uh. that, that this big gear company that didn't exist yeah, and, and yeah. nothing was like it out there. And, uh, uh, but meanwhile, I was a fighter pilot and an airline pilot yeah. <laughs> and, uh, um, and it was really September 11th that changed that for me. I mean, that, that day I was a United Airlines captain and went, oh, wow. oh, holy shit, my life just changed. Wow. Yeah. Where were you so, at in the country flying? Uh, well, on September 11th, I was at home. I was in Boise. And wow. yeah, but I was based out of San Francisco at the time and, and it literally just had an epiphany that day that realized that, you know, that that company was vulnerable. My, my career in that company was vulnerable. Yeah. And, and I also, you know, I'd been had the, having the, this, company I'd built in my head pulling at me for 15 years by that point and uh, just decided to do it then and there. And uh, so it took, you know, you mentioned 03 was our genesis, which is accurate. It's true. Um, it took me two years to get it sorted out and figure out how to make backpacks. And, that, and when I started, I didn't know if it was going to be a, a gun stock company or a pack company. I had, you know, and, and, or all the stuff between. I had, I sort of pictured it being this multifaceted, you know, performance gear company. And the under title of the company at the Genesis was high performance gear. Oh, wow. And, uh, and then I was trying to think of, you know, a name of it. And I thought of all kinds of weird, how do you, how do you name a company? So I thought of all kinds of stuff. And then it eventually came back to the fact that it had been the Eberly stock company. And I stuck the two words together and made Eberly stock. And 
Yeah. And nobody could know, know how to, to, to say it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Elberly. 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 So anyway, but with time, people, I, I was like, ah, they'll figure it out. You know, I, 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 and, uh, and eventually people did. And, well, it's uh, a, it's a, what I find unique about it, just in, in reflecting on my experience utilizing that gear, is there were, there were definitely no solutions for carrying a, a right. rifle. Right. I had, we had at the time, um, I was in the commanders and extremist force from third group. And at the time we were doing a lot of direct action missions, occupying rooftops, like a lot of the organizations supporting the task force. And uh, we carried SR 25s right? and an SR 25 loaded with a suppressor that at the time was like a 12 inch suppressor. It was just a massive, uh, overall gun with an optic, with the lasers, Guys might even run universal night sights attached to the gun right. because they're fl free floating the laser. You're talking like a lot of weight. Yeah, I yeah, mean, yeah. it's almost like a machine gun. And it was impossible because we were, we were trying to figure it out. And I think a lot of the joint task force was trying to figure it out. It's like, could we assault with an SR-25? And the answer, or even a 300 Win Mag. And the answer is, yeah, you could but you would be at a disadvantage because it's so massive a gun and you know you don't want to be in a position doing CQB with a 300 win mag right so we had to bag them and the 300 win mag uh the mark 13 i believe uh at the time collapsed cuz we had i think ai chassis on them and the SR25 you can get into a bag uh, you'd have to take the can off potentially um and you could run it into a bag and there were no options so guys were using Blackhawk three-day assault packs, which were really the only options that we had. Right, right, right. And we were like, this is a nightmare. Um, I saw guys just say, hey, I'm not even going to carry my long gun. I'll carry an optimized SPR setup, a lighter weight setup, because we didn't have an option. Huh. I believe it was 07. I believe it was 07 when we got a suite of your kit where it was like all these options, all these different pieces of equipment. And for the first time that rotation, we were bagging out all of our long guns. So every op, even if it was a hasty land on the X kind of deal, we'd have long guns in bags. And then right. we use M4s and we right, clear right, right. through the house, yeah. get to the roof, and then straight up like a biathlon, just like <laughs> pull the gun, <laughs> yeah, you know, and then go to the so fight. Cool. Where, where did that come, like where did that start in the in the company? Well, I, I mean, I started making uh, hunting rifles or hunting, hunting packs rather to, 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 to start. And, you know, my, in 03, my first products, was a single pack design and uh and it had a rifle scabbard like that so you could pull the rifle out when you wanted it yeah. built into it and it had a it was designed to be a, a compact you know fit behind your torso kind of military style shoulder length and below so you know because i'm thinking about myself you know crawling through brush and chamberlain basin yeah um and wanted something you know the least constrictive thing possible but big enough that I could deploy a bigger bag out of it and, and haul an elk quarter off, yeah. you know, on the spot. Um, and so that, that thing, uh, I built prototype versions of that through the nineties for myself. And, yeah. uh, it took me, as I said, a couple of years from 01 to 03 to make a commercial product, but I called it the just one, the just one pack. I was like, you know, if you're going to own just one hunting pack, this is the one known was the, where the, nice. the name just one just came one. from. <laughs> yeah. and we had just one product at that point. And uh, the guys from sports warehouse were teasing me about it. They're like, Hey, next year you're going to have just two. <laughs> but anyway, awesome. uh, but that was how we got started. And then, uh, 
after that first year with the Just One, uh, a guy who had a son who competed in three gun, which I'd never even heard of at that point, said something to me, hey, you got to make a, a pack big enough to carry an AR. You know, these guys in this three gun sport would really like that. And I was like, oh, yeah, I'd kind of been thinking about a you know, different version. And, mm. and so I made a, a more compact bag with a single, you know, main compartment and a full width scabbard mm. um, to carry an AR type weapon and really hadn't thought much about the sniper community because I, although at the time I was, my entrepreneurial goal from the, from September 11th forward was, was to make the, the chassis for the sniper rifle that killed Osama bin Laden. That was, yeah. that was my, that was my dream. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I was, I was still working on rifle stock designs and I had some sniper rifle stock designs that were kind of unique, you know, yeah. actually kind of really interesting modular designs that, that, uh, um, led to other things. But, uh, at the time, I was working with the Boise, Idaho police uh, SWAT team mm -hmm. and had a police sniper with his rifle at my shop at my house. And and I uh, I asked him, uh, you know, where do you guys carry those rifles? And he said, oh, you know, we have drag bags. And I said, well, I got this pack, you know, and uh, what do you think about it? And he goes, oh, you know, we don't need that. This is, this is 2004. He goes, eh, yeah, I got a drag bag. And um, I said, well, just try it. So he, uh, I stick the rifle in a pack. He sticks the pack on. He's like, oh, this is kind of nice. And then he goes like this and grabs the rifle and his eyes just like, like blunk and he pulls the rifle out. he's like holy shit <laughs> and, and that was where i was like oh you know we might have something and then it was the next year oh five when you mentioned third group i was like aha that's kind of interesting is um you guys were the third group somebody somewhere in third group was, yeah that were the first guys to buy our product from the in the military that i knew of and wow they had seen a guy at a uh, uh, shooting competition with one and a guy called me up it could have been you for all i know yeah this guy, some, a guy called me up and he goes hey you know i can wear any pair of boots i want i can shoot any gun i want but your pack's the best thing to come our way our way in 30 years and i was like what wow. <laughs> you know it really just struck me i was like gosh because yeah. because the truth is uh you know backing up i was a patriotic American. And I was so pissed off and offended by what happened on September 11th. I was just like furious. And yeah. I, and you know, for years I was furious about that. I was offended that somebody could do that anywhere in the world to anybody, but particularly so that it was done on our soil to Americans. Yeah. And I wanted to be part of the fight. I mean, I was, a, I was my, the first thing I did actually on September 11th before I decided to, uh, restart my company as I'd been in an A-10 squadron. And I was like, we're going to war. I know we're going to war and I'm, I'm going to go back. You know, yeah, I, I just yeah. hung up my spurs the year before and I was like, I wrote a letter to the general going, I'm, <laughs> one more time, I want to come back. Yeah, and, uh, yeah. and, and you know, had that letter, never sent it to him because uh, I realized thinking through it that I'd been kind of on that cusp of should I be in or should I be out yeah. for so long that I decided, no, this other thing is, is you know, I got to do this. And yeah. so, uh, but boy, uh, the, the way that it evolved, uh, that guys like you got value out of the ideas that I'd brought to the field and that it changed the game, you know, yeah, really. It um, did. Yeah, absolutely. It just was such an honor and it yeah. just was so astonishing and, uh, and rewarding, you know, that's, and, and then the whole journey since then has been just that, you know, yeah, where do you, I mean, I, I find it, um, so complex, but yet so simple that nobody, it's like there's an operational desire. And then when you say the word drag bag, even I'm like, wow, like, like there's people who actually did that. Like you, oh, yeah. you low crawled and got into your position and you drug the bag behind you, but likely had no weapon system on you because your yeah. guns in the bag, yeah. you might've had a pistol. And then the idea of war where 
we're landing on targets and we're standing up, you know, it's a, and it's a very dynamic and fluid war. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it, it changes the game. And then I, I think about the simplicity of the biathlon. It's like you're moving and then you stop in a position and you have to be able to reduce the lull time between the movement and then in getting in the fight. Right. And that movement of just doing this, yep. it's right there and it's ready uh, and it's ready to go. Yeah. And so that for us, Like I've used the product so many times in so many scenarios. I actually have a friend, Travis Denman, who I believe um, was the first guy to jump your bag. Oh, cool. In free fall. (laughs) Because we're all, you know, it was as snipers, we're all free fall qualified. And he's the first one to test it because he was in the, I don't know what direct, I think he might have been in the USASOC test directorate or an AFF guy for our company. But I, I, I have the videos of that. Oh, nice. Of him jumping your bag. I'll send them to you. <laughs> um, to <laughs> but we, we were trying to navigate like, hey, this is the appropriate setting. And then it surged through through Special Operations Command. Now, for you as a business owner, where you get access to that market, and then it's like, oh, there's a demand here. Right. And now you have to ramp up supply and start building out this thing sure. that's yeah. been in your head. Yeah. How did that evolve for you through the well, global war? And that, I mean, the truth is... Uh, We've never been as big a company as people thought we were. And and some of that was by choice. I I knew that I had million dollar ideas in my head, lots of them. Yeah. And and uh and was really concerned about uh people taking my ideas and 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 running me and building it and basically, you know, so I, I did two things, you know, first of all, I was very conservative. I was, I was an absolute defensive mode. I'd, I'd known a lot of entrepreneurs who had failed by, you know, trying to, you know, hiring a room full of people and filling up a room full of computers and, uh, and, and have an overhead before they had income. Yeah. And so, uh, and I'd known other, uh, founders and entrepreneurs who took investors on too early and ended up getting, you know, kicked out of their own company. And oh, yeah. I'd, I'd seen enough examples of those two things to go, okay, you know, be careful. Um, mm. And and I, I pretended to be much bigger than I was for I still do. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <We> yeah. Still, <laughs> but, but the truth is, uh, you know, we've never had the scale that uh, that that the potential uh, you know would would have allowed. And and had I approached things differently, we'd be a much bigger company now and have much bigger share of, of the you know the the real the real estate and and the. Uh, outdoor market than we do. But I don't really regret the way I did it. We did, you know, very conservatively. I, I High only, quality. Oh, for yeah. sure. I was yeah. always focused on on making things that wouldn't fail and learned a lot along the way. I mean, you know, it's not that you don't make things that don't fail, but when they do, if, you, if you're offended by the fact that, that you had a customer that bought something from you and and it and had a bad experience with it which i always was i was like i took it personally yeah because like, because yeah. i'm probably the guy that put the thing in a box and sent it to him yeah yeah <laughs> and, and so whenever you know whenever a buckle broke or uh or a seam failed or whatever it was i'd always really look at it and go well how do we you know make this better the next time and mm-hmm. so that philosophy you know still uh is foundational for us. And, and I'm still, you know, of, you know, if you'd asked me what I'm most proud of, um, it's that I don't have a warranty department. I mean, most bag companies of all of them have like four five, six people in a room someplace, sewing stuff back together. We don't, we have a room where you stuff stuff back together, but my warranty, it's actually difficult because, um, 
I have to find either somebody that can do something else or that's a part-time, you know, wants to work 10 hours every two weeks. Cause that's yeah. about what we pay for, for our repair work for with hundreds of thousands of bags in the world. Wow. And, and, uh, one person about 10 hours, about five hours a week. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> a testament a to like the investment in time on the front end. Yeah. For, it, yeah. It, yeah. And then, you know, of course, not everything that breaks gets sent back to you, but still the, the fact is, you know, it, it, there's no, I don't know any other fabric company that, that could say that. Yeah. And whether it's, you know, this stuff or bags. So, um, that, I think is a really good starting point. And then from there, um, you know, as far as you mentioned scaling up, well, first of all, our primary uh, market in the military early on was snipers, and there aren't that many snipers. Not, there's <laughs> so, actually not. People so, think there's a lot. There's yeah, not. If you, if you want to get a couple hundred, if you want to get rich, you don't make yeah. stuff for snipers or by, or by athletes. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so you know, it was a slow road, which yeah. is appropriate again for because because as I said, I was I was in defensive mode, but also I had my eye on the bigger prize, and I still do. I look at it, and go, you know what? Okay, there are people that are making great stuff, and that are coming at us from all directions there have been for years but my goal early on was to build a brand and and once you're a brand you know that you, you can have a puffy jacket that says you know whatever or one that says patagonia and the one that's worth says patagonia is worth more and yeah. and everly stock you know is that kind of brand we always you know we we want to be known as the company that makes something that's comfortable functional practical intuitive and it's not going to fail in uh, in the wrong in the wrong place, and uh, and you know and we have enough variety that you can kind of pick what you want. And so, if that's who we are now and who we I think will always be, then that's good. And then after that, um, you know, people can mimic us, and they do. And and I mean, people have no idea how many of my ideas are normal out there now, and you know, in all kinds of bags, not just in the tactical space, but in the regular outdoor gear. I, I can walk through a. REI store and see tons of things that I thought of. Wow. <laughs> and wow. I know that I, you know, put them in bags first. Yeah. Um, and then uh, other things like, uh, well, when I started, I didn't know how to make a, ba a backpack. And uh, uh, I had a friend who had been my little league baseball coach who later became the president of the North Face. And uh, when I mentioned earlier that my entrepreneurial vision was always to to make the North Face with guns, it was sort of because of that in, in front of me. And uh, so I'd called him up and I go, hey, Bill, where, you know, where in China do I go to make bags? And he goes, he goes, don't go to China. Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> that was the first start. But then he referred me to some uh, uh, ex-North Face uh people who facilitated bag making. And so they, they led me through my first round and really the second round. By the, by the time I'd, I'd been through two rounds with them, I realized I could do it myself. And so um, I've never owned a factory uh, because the somebody once referred to that as feeding the tiger. You know, the truth is I'd love to, and maybe at some point we will, but um, the agility that we have by not feeding the tiger is important, yeah. you know, because we focus on innovation on quality, on, on, uh, you know, specifying things that haven't been done yet. Yeah. Hey guys, we're just going to interrupt the podcast for a second to talk about one of our sponsors and that is Headspace. The website is headspace.com forward slash fieldcraft. Let's face it. You probably, probably are one of these folks that's listening, that's listening to us because you got to kind of drain out the, or I should say like zone out all the background noise in your life. Um, there's all sorts of stuff that can drive you crazy. Well, 
Headspace is really designed to help you find balance. Uh, there are a lot of folks that have used it here at Fieldcraft that swear that it makes them feel healthier, happier, and more present in their everyday life. So less concerned with the pressing and nagging issues. And you know, you deserve to feel happier and Headspace provides the meditation that you need. And it's done very, very simply. If you guys go over to headspace.com slash fieldcraft, that is headspace.com slash fieldcraft three month trial with access to Headspace's full library of meditations for every single situation. Uh, right now it's the best deal. So please check them out. It's simply uh, a way of rethinking about your life. It'll help you sleep, focus, act, and be better. Headspace.com forward slash fieldcraft. So, so what did, how did you decide to, to kind of construct the company, like what I've realized in looking for sewers, for example, yeah. or a production facility, it's like the hardest thing in the universe yep. to find consistent people who are going to do it right yep. every single time. Yeah, for sure. Well, the, the, the truth is, and the sad thing is, you know, I have to live with the fact that America is not what we wish it was in many ways, right? Yeah. And so everybody goes, oh, it needs to be made in America. Well, I, there are a lot of people that pretend to make products of our quality and uh, scale in America, but they really don't. And I won't say names, but yeah. you know, they might have a little sew shop that makes some stuff, but, yeah. but actual, uh, and there are, you know, there are some uh, shops in California and there used to be some in the Southeast. I don't know if they're still there, but there are a few around where they can make, you know, scale uh, production for us military contracts or whatever, but still it's really hard to do in the United States. The, Absolutely. You know, I, it's sad. I hate it. But the truth is that, uh, the story is, you know, as go, going back to my friend at the North Face, uh, in the 80s, they used to make backpacks in Berkeley, California. And uh, in the 80s, they offshored to Korea. And if you think about what happened in pack design between the 80s through the 90s, you know, mountaineering pack design specifically, went from that old clunky stuff to internal frame, you know, modern mountaineering construction. Yeah. Well, these Korean companies were the ones that figured that out. That yeah. that whole, you know, I call it the gene pool, but that whole evolution took place in Korea. And then in the '90s, the Korean economy became a first world economy from a from a developing economy. Yeah. And as they did, they offshored to Vietnam. And so when I entered the game, I found out from my friends at the North Face that the best pack factories in the world are Korean owned companies in Vietnam. And wow. uh, and that's just a fact yeah. you know if, if 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 you go in any high-end look in any high-end backpack if it doesn't say Viet, made in vietnam i'd be a little concerned about it yeah. <laughs> there, yeah there are other ways to do it but it's i've made stuff in the united states um and it costs like four times as much and it's not as good yeah and and it's just hard to do and and so for us again you know, having a focus on quality and things that won't fail and that have the certain this this kind of weird genetic makeup that's hard to describe. But, uh, you know, finding the right fabrics and threads and all of that stuff. Um, you know, unfortunately, the supply chain is not in the United States. You know, the, all that stuff is not here. And yeah. and uh, and so uh, just we have to recognize that. And and I couldn't have done what I'd done if I had done it any differently. And and. I'm really proud of what I've done. And, and I, at the same time, if you follow that a couple of different directions, one is <laughs> you go to Vietnam, you know, the, America kind of trashed that place back in the 60s and 70s. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, really? Yeah. And so, you know, if, if you look around at a, at a fairly, you know, humble economy and uh, uh, 
generally, you kind of go, hey, we kind of own one. I don't feel bad about being there. Uh, you know, it's not China and it's, yeah. it's very different. And at the same time, you know, there, there's a vibe and a, and a, and a, and a, and a you know, uh, desire to better themselves. It's, that's an American ethic and that there's still sort of an American undertone there. That's, that's kind of cool. Yeah. Um, and then the Korean people I'm working with are wonderful. And, uh, you know, I, I, at some point you just have to go, well, not all people outside the United States are bad. Yeah. <laughs> and, and then at the same time, uh, in fact, many of them are very good partners and, and, and we, uh, it, are, are forced to recognize the fact that there lies the only solution for our kind of product yeah. and, and uh, or you know our level uh, if if you don't want to have a warranty department <laughs> yeah. then, then you know i'm doing it right yeah uh, so having said that the other thing though is uh, i couldn't have done it had i done it any other way and, and so if i look now at what i've brought to the united states you know i have a really good group of employees that love working at my company and yeah. uh and we've brought product and changed the marketplace in ways that people don't know it came from us, but a lot did. And, and so I'm really, I feel like for sure I've added a lot to both to the American economy. Um, and, and then you look at all that, you know, the, the ecosystem of resellers and all the other thing that, that, that we've allowed to hap, hap, happen in the United States. I mean, certainly our, the money flow from what I'm doing is in the United States, Yeah, 99% of it or 90% of it. So um, all that I feel pretty good about. Yeah, I know there's a lot of companies that get hung up on this whole American made thing. And it's it, it, what I love about it is um, you see the demand signal. Maybe it's the virtue signal, but you don't see anybody in their own habits. Like the guy who's attacking you because he's trolling you right. on your social media is literally texting you on a Chinese phone. <laughs> yeah, it's like, right. so unless you're using like one yeah. or two of the companies that make American made yeah. phones, you wouldn't understand that. And, and, yeah. and are and there, are there though American made phones? I mean, the, supposedly there's I, one, but all the circuits, all yeah. the, all the microchip or microprocessors yeah. right, right, right. are made overseas. Yeah. And, and even on, on the bag side, I mean, I said, you know, there are people that think that certain companies make stuff in the United States and they'd be surprised to see they actually make a lot of their stuff, the commercial products in China. They, not, they not do. Not even in Vietnam. Yeah. Well, so and and what a, I've realized is yeah. even the companies that do have um, a, a, a floor full of sewers, all of them are immigrants uh, right, because the right. talent pool that you're recruiting yeah. um, are, are typically from one area. Uh, they're, they're different cultures um, from different countries. And yeah. it's hard to get like I was just watching. It's funny. I was watching. A, I'm starting a Western wear company because I have a oh, passion cool. for Western wear. Right. But but what I realized in my own company is there's some things that you can keep. American because it's craftsmanship yeah. in mind, right. like leather. Right, like you right, could tool right. leather yeah. and keep that completely American. Now it's slow rate of uh, return uh, and supply because it's so difficult to make uh, or such a long timetable to make. But I was watching this Stetson um, commercial. It was a documentary, a mini documentary on how they make everything in the US. But all of their processes in making all the segments of their hat are all factory processes that have nothing to do with craftsmanship in mind right so you're throwing fur into a you know, the, yeah, <laughs> yeah yeah a bowl you're stirring the you know material yeah um you're steaming the hat so it doesn't require talent yeah and it's so funny because all the all the americans they're interviewing you could tell they're just so disinterested and not the kind of people who want to are wearing western wear right huh. so when you look at american businesses what our strengths are is innovation 
And when you leverage that strength and when you have the right team in media and marketing and you're pushing forward, advancing it, the labor of the thing, you want the best people doing that. I'm I'm biased because I'm half Korean and my dad was in the army when he met my mom in Korea. (laughs) So I I feel an obligation to support Korea and its economy because I'm half Korean. And so when people look at me as an entrepreneur, it's like, why aren't you doing more American made? I'm like, I am doing more American made, but that's not my priority. My priority is a world economy and mm-hmm. I want to incentivize Korea. I want to incentivize Vietnam because I like that. I like that supply and partner chain. Yeah. But I also have 50 employees. So right, it's right, like right. you could argue this to death, but it, it, how many employees do you have working that are, that are in America? Well, you know, it's like yeah. it, it, we we're doing a lot of people don't understand that. I'm glad you, you uh, talked about that because it's important for people to know. Yeah. It, it, and also it's just, uh, I mean, people look at me and think that I'm, I don't know. I mean, oftentimes people think, oh, you know, his dad must have really given him a lot or, or, you know, that guy's lucky, you know, look at, look at all the shit he's done. I mean, I'm, I'm an Olympian, yeah. uh, a fighter pilot, airline pilot, went to an Ivy League school, entrepreneur, a bunch of other stuff. I don't even know. That's awesome. <laughs> you know, I have a, I have a pretty cool resume, pretty unique. Yeah. Um, and, and, uh. But I've also got that resume because I work my ass off, yeah. you know, and, and I, I, I have a really strong American work ethic oh, that's and, amazing. and, and, you know, and I'm proud of that. I mean, yeah. Personally, I'm proud of anything is that. And, and so, um, I, at the same time, you know, have failed enough to have developed a certain amount of humility yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, I think that's also very healthy and, uh. And so, and I'm also very conscious of, you know, traditional American values. So all that said, um, you know, I, I feel like I personally am in a good place, but if anybody, like I said, from the outside, looking at me thought, uh, oh, gee, you know, he must be, you know, have some special gift. I'm like, no, I, I don't, I'm, I'm just, I'm lucky. I'm, I live on luck, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but also on hard work uh, and, and, and all of that said, um, here I am, you know, a guy who actually made a difference in many things in the world, and I'm happy for that. But um, if I were to look at it and go, well, I should have done something differently. Yeah, there's a lot of things I could have done better or, you know, relationships I could have uh, improved upon because when you're inevitably a male <laughs> focused on the <laughs> locked yeah. in, you know, you, you, you ignore things that maybe shouldn't be ignored. And so uh, – you know that life's imperfect it is a bit part of the journey but but again as a business person an entrepreneur you know the fact that i've done what i've done out of pocket uh starting with nothing i mean yeah. i started with my company with fifteen hundred dollars and uh and and then eventually i had to start putting my mortgage on the you know house on the line yeah been there <laughs> and, before. you know in and out in and out with you know eventually i was like oh I, don't, I don't have to do the house anymore cool you know that's that's protected so um you know that has been 20 years of, yeah. of, of, you know, building, um, and working really hard. And, uh, and you know, that's the secret. And so again, if I, and, and, and I've never taken a dime from anybody, I've never, you know, there, there's never been a, you know, a, a golden parachute investor to come into my world. Um, so that said, uh, I think I did it right, you know, yeah. and, and, and I also, I also think that, you know, that, that whole myth about, Oh, you know, you're bad because you're not doing this in America. It's like it's a, it's a myth, and and people that, that 
are mature enough to look at that objectively have to know that people like me are making the best and healthiest and strongest of choices, not just for ourselves, but for the country. The, and yeah, the country. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And 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 for the ability to build something. And as you said, you know, focus on the American strengths, on on innovation, on staying ahead. And in our in our case, you know, we're really agile. I mean, I, I love being part of a company that that can go. You want to, okay, let's do that. You know, and yeah. boom, fights on, and yeah. and uh, it's it's kind of cool. Are you are you now? Here's what I here's what I just recently got from you guys. I I bought one of your jackets, and I don't, I don't know the name of the jacket. It's like a loft jacket, and it yeah. it's uh like olive drab. It's like a light green, right? But it's my favorite jacket. Oh, cool! Like hands down, yeah. and I'm right. and I'm a I'm a clothing snob. <laughs> At least the utilitarian yeah. version right. of it, right? So if yeah. I have one of my favorite jackets I ever was issued in special operations was Patagonia's first run. Uh-huh. And I have a OD green, like a drab um, a Patagonia kind of rain jacket. And it's the best, most like technical utilitarian based jacket I've ever had. And then I was issued um, as a sergeant major, I was issued uh, a Patagonia issue of cold weather gear. And I had a multi-cam jacket. That was just, I still own it. I just looked at it this morning. Yeah. It's a lot, it's kind of a loft jacket. And it reminds me of the uh the uh the liner for the cold weather right. jacket, right, which right, was right. this called the smoking jacket, yeah. which was the best jacket ever ever made. Yeah. But when I wore your jacket, it there's 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 only a few companies that when you put stuff on and you're a guy with my background, you associate Arteryx, Patagonia. Right. Yep. And I, I put that on and went. Dude, this is, it's comfortable. It's super hot. Like what I love it about, like when I put on a jacket and I'm cold, I want to stay warm. <laughs> yeah, right. I don't want to suffer. Like people are like, why are you doing that? I'm like, yeah. I, I want the best. Yeah. You're, you're now, I, I didn't know you did clothing. Yeah. Are you migrating to that? And like, what does the future look like for you and your business sure. 20 years later, 20 years into it? Well, we intend to own the outdoor gear market and in, mm-hmm. in, in our segment. And when I and what that is is like I said earlier, it's, it's the North Face with guns, as they used to be. You know, now North Face is more of a Macy's company, but yeah. you know, back in the day, they were you know packs, tents, sleeping bags, clothing, uh, and a few other things. And that's and and when I was talking earlier about rifle stocks, I mean, I still have some rifle stock stuff that hasn't been built, and and I could see even stuff like that. Probably not guns themselves, um, but uh, you know, a broad based gear company that always focuses not just on, uh, you know, I don't know, making money. That's not our thing. But uh, like we're much smaller than people think we are. But you know, we are focused on innovation and on and sort of, you know, making that thing that doesn't exist either in our line or somebody else's and, and you know, preferably both. Um, and, you know, the apparel effort comes from a couple of places. One is, you know, on the on the hunting side, unfortunately, uh, you know, that part of our world evolved from a couple of camouflage companies, Realtree and Mossy Oak, owning the market and everybody had to, you know, use their stuff. And uh, both of those companies had sort of odd ways of doing business. I'll just say that I didn't really, you know, uh, the two, one of them was better, <laughs> but, but, uh, but at the end you start to look at this going, why, you know, why are we wearing freaking oak leaf stuff, you, you know, in high mountain West, this doesn't make sense. Yeah. And, 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 and then, you know, multicam was the great, uh, object lesson, I'll say. 
um, in camouflage. I mean, there's a really good pattern that 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 displaced a really bad pattern, ACU. <laughs> and and yeah. and, uh, and then the funny thing is that you know that that ACU bullshit story. Oh, it confuses the enemy's eyes. It was just like what? what? <laughs> We're doing oxymorons for tactics. Yeah. Like, what are we doing here? Yeah, no, it doesn't confuse. It doesn't confuse my eyes. Reverse psychology is attacking. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, some of that same, uh, you know, messaging has been put forth in the hunting world by one of our competitors, which was just funny, but but it uh, it worked. They, you know, they built a big brand. Uh, but anyway, uh, I was one of the first outdoor gear brands uh, about ten years ago to look at all that and go, you know what. I'm going to make my own camouflage. And, and so I started making, uh, hunting camouflage camos to, uh, that were unique and, and, and really dabbling in with the idea of making something that was, was a good mix of the right things, you know, large field, uh, you know, color patterns and, you know, uh, contrast patterns and, and detail here and there, and particularly for a consumer product, things that you know make it interesting arm length, but also that really work in the field, the right colors and the right you know yeah. uh, the right dappling. What's the name um, of that? Well, uh, well, I mean, I have several of them, but I, I started a company called Hide Open. Mm-hmm. Just to make it look like there was a camouflage company that was making Amberley stock products instead yeah, of this yeah. other two. Yeah. <laughs> That's nice. sort of our first Smart. thing. But yeah, <laughs> but we did that. Uh, I did that for years, but our packs were the only things that had our camouflage patterns wow. on them. And so, you know, guys are wearing a whatever and, and uh, in an Amberley stock pack and it was mix and match. And um, and now the hunting market has evolved more to, you know, people are more interested in solids and that's fine. You know, we, we make a lot of solids and that's, that's really, you know, field colors like this or where, yeah. where, or where we kind of live. But, but on the camouflage side, you know, it's been fun to, to, to work on actually good camouflages, you know, things that, that have, you know, a purpose for as many environments as possible. You, there's no, you know, one like multi-cam is not good everywhere, yeah. but, uh, but, but that's a good example of one that's generally good in many places. And so, uh, you know, the, the development of our camouflage has been something that, um, uh, I, it was meant to ha- go into apparel a lot earlier, you know, mm-hmm. be, to be honest. I mean, as I said, you know, from the start, I had my eye on uh, a, a gear company that could be that could make anything in this marketplace um, for our customer, uh, meaning either hunting or then when we started getting into the tactical sphere, I'm like, yeah, why not? You know, if 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 a guy says that his chest rig sucks, I want to know why. You know, maybe we should make those. Yeah. Um, or certainly, uh, you know, when when Patagonia. It's funny people think of them, and I, I still look at that coming. I'm like, I don't, I don't get it. You know, they, they don't seem to be very pro-American in many ways to me. Yeah, and, yeah. not at all. Yeah. Which and is yeah. weird because it's like, why would you not be pro-American? Yeah. You would crush it. Yeah, and then in the middle of all that, they're they're you know getting an awful lot of money from the U.S. government making stuff you know like you're talking yeah. about, and I'm just like, I, it just bothers me. But that that said, it is what it is. Uh, we're not going after that market at this time, but there's a future role we'll see. Yeah. Um, but but the point right now is that, uh, first of all, I love it that earlier you mentioned when you put that jacket on, you thought of a couple of brands, you know, Arcteryx and Patagonia. Um, I have a, you know, a, a very short list of, of brands that matter, you know, that, that if I were to aspire to make something, you know, and, and even Arcteryx now is sort of more of a Macy's brand. Yeah. But, but you know, but yeah. back Ten years ago, they had a different kind of a focus, and and I look at that stuff. And, yeah, it's clean. It fits right. You know, mm-hmm. it moves moves well with you, and it's the right kind of materials for the right you know for the piece. And so, you know, those guys in outdoor research were a couple of companies that I was like, okay, let's look at you know how they do things. I ne- I haven't really ever paid any attention to 
the competitors in the hunting side of our business. But uh, but yeah, we're we're making apparel both because we can make our own colorways to match our other products, but also because um, we feel like we can do a good job of it and and make things that actually move with your body the way that you'd want it to that um, that work with packs. Yeah, <laughs> and and oh, you know, yeah. yeah. And, I, what I noticed about the jacket too is most jackets, <laughs> like I have broad shoulders, I have a thirty four inch waist, so my my body when I put on mo- like cool, I look like I'm wearing yeah, a cool yeah, shirt, right. but not sized for my body type, right? Yeah, if you yeah. if you have broad chest, if you have large shoulders, yeah. I have to go double or triple XL, right? Because if it if I wash it, it shrinks up to here like a belly <laughs> shirt. But I noticed that yeah. your jacket, I was able to move in, and I wore it on the um, on my mule deer hunt, cool. and it was super comfortable, right. and and that's. Like people don't realize when you take a company, I think it's Anthon that bought the conglomerate company that bought uh, Arteryx, Chinese made company, right, Chinese right. based right, company, right, 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 right. Uh, purchased all these companies, include Solomon and and Arcteryx, and it changes the the quality of yeah. the material because they're looking to shortcut anything they can. Yep. And at a point, they were very expensive because they were very compliant. So if they're very compliant, they're made in the USA. And there's all these constraints. They're going to elevate the price. That price hasn't reduced, by the way. It's right. still the same. Right. But I bought an Art Terry shirt from REI a couple months ago, and it was the worst fitting and un- most uncomfortable shirt I've had. I've already oh, blew out a button on the chest <laughs> okay. of that shirt. Yeah. So, well, okay. how, how do you how do you stay ahead of these competitors that actually? I mean, I don't want to give your top secret classified yeah. right, right, weight right. tactics. But it's such a difficult space, right? It is, and and it's one that honestly um, we're learning. I mean, I I feel like I, I designed the launch line. I mean, we we designed, we launched apparel four years ago, and I designed it and wow. and found the factory to make it, and you know searched all over the world for a factory that you know that. Did you actually that, go to Vietnam? To, yeah, uh, that's oh, the yeah. way. I mean, to do I, it. I've hunted all over the world, but yeah. uh, but again, I'm like I, I, I with the exception, honestly, I. I I've never stepped foot in China other than passing through. And I, yeah. I, I'm really trying not to make anything there um, just because I do feel like they're an adversary yeah, to the United they're States. They're subverting everything yeah. we're doing. Yeah. Yeah. And I just, I think that they've displayed enough trust that I just don't want to play that game. Yeah. So, or not displayed enough, you know, reasons to, to, to mistrust them. It'd be a better way to say yeah. it. So anyway, um, yeah, I, I designed the, the launch line, felt like we did a pretty good job. I mean, I've seen a lot of companies that are, that had a lot more experience in apparel than I did that did stupid stuff. Mm. Um, and still I did some stupid stuff, you know, that it, it was harder than I thought. I mean, you were talking about fit. Unfortunately, you know, the American demographic is a pretty tough target to fit now because most people are not shaped like you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and we, at some point you go, well, okay, we're not going to make something that fits everybody, but like I'm, I'm wearing a, a shirt that, uh, that we designed. And yeah. Beautiful I, shirt. I, I like it. Thank you. It's very like nice. The buttons yeah. are perfect. Yeah. Those are rubber or like yeah, the little snap buttons and snap buttons. Yeah. And, and and it is it's very nice. Yeah. Um. But uh, the the sleeves fit a little close. So a scrawny guy like yeah. me, it's great. A guy like you know you that had muscles, you might go. I don't like you know. So yeah. things like that, you go. Well, you know, shoot. Uh, the next time we make those shirts, we you know we that that one detail that, that we forgot in the pattern making, um, we'll, we'll correct. Yeah. Um. But those are normal early growing st- uh, pains. Yeah. Um, the Thunderbolt jacket is the jacket you're talking about. It's it's a Primaloft fill. Thunderbolt jacket. Yeah. I love that. Where did yeah. that name, where did you get that name? Well, uh, all the apparel 
uh, you know, I'd I feel like again, it's an A10 thing or something. That is, well, that is an A10 thing actually, but but it happens that there's a Thunderbolt Mountain in Idaho, and so all of our apparel um, was named after a geographic point in Idaho, and, yeah. and so because that's where we're from, and so uh, it's sort of as a as an interesting motif and and kind of a fun play on that. We put like the geo chords for the. The, the Trinity Peak or the you know Cash Peak or whatever the, nice. the, the the piece is made out of in the in the thing and yeah. maybe maybe somebody will take their Cash Peak jacket and hike up Cash Peak. When I when I'm in the Salmon River Canyon wearing Salmon River Canyon pants, I'm like, yeah, this is kind of cool. That's awesome. I love that. <laughs> so yeah, but anyway, uh, 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 one of the yeah things you do along the way though is you look around and go, you know, that the apparel thing is tough. Like you said, and, and it's not hardest just, thing I've ever done in business. Yeah, you know, to 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 pick that right fit and to get a consistent pattern, uh, you, you kind of an expectation of. So eventually, a guy like you is going to be able to go to our brand and go, well, okay, I'm Mike, and I, you know, yeah, <laughs> you know, and and uh, I, this size fits me in Eberly stock. Um, so we're pretty close to that earlier than um, most brands probably get. Yeah, but but, uh, but happily now. You know, I've got an A-team apparel guy. You know, I, 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 I'm pointing out, well, to back up a bit, you asked, you know, how I grew the company earlier and, how, and, and what the, the, the journey was. Well, the truth is, um, you know, part of the reason that we were very conservative was because I was married to a very conservative woman who was sort of my partner in business and really made it tough. I mean, she made it tough to maintain relationships, to develop relationships and, and to, and always, you know, was critical of the next step and more and, compartmentalized. Yeah, yeah. Just a fight fought on everything. She just liked to fight. And so, um, you know, in part of life, we are no longer married. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's sad, but it's just the, one of those things where you go, well, okay, this, you know, there are reasons for this to have been moved from a long time ago. And I went ahead and moved from that. But part of that was really because I, recognized how much stress she was putting on me personally and how that was reflecting on our business and um and how much stress she was putting on our business and so uh that must have opened it, the floodgates after that was over yeah once like, i worked oh. was like okay you know i for personally i just kind of decompressed you know pulled a big cute piece of stress out of myself and put it put it aside and then sort of look around and going okay guys you know there's some people that think they can compete with us uh, they they don't have what we have, and they can they can compete with us. But ultimately, we're going to win because there's no company that has what Everly Stock has for you know for not for the backstory, for the authenticity, for you know our our kind of work ethic and design ethic and 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 our awareness of what is needed in the market and uh, uh, and that you know kind of is our culture. And so yeah. you know now I've been looking for people that get that and and have a really good core team of people that get it and that are part of it and 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 and, and are you know jacked about. It. I'm like, you know, I'm I'm always telling them like, you know, we have pure companies that are 10 times our size. Why? And and uh and so they're like, yeah. <laughs> Let's go for it. And yeah. uh, anyway, uh so as part of that, um I I figured out after my run at apparel that now I got to find a, the pro from Dover to do this. And so happened to find him, you know, right in town, a guy that was doing contract work for a lot of different companies at the, you know, like outdoor research or whoever, and a uh, good dude, merry, cheerful, and, and just yeah. walked in with the, just the ability to just lay up a, a hundred ideas in front of you and go, what do you like? Wow. Like, I like all of them. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, so you guys are off to the races now. Yeah. What, yeah. How does the apparel line roll out? Is it a, uh, 
a direct-to-consumer thing? Is it? Are you doing retail? Well, How's it I mean, the, the retail space is really tough. We we have a, we have a yes. handful of good dealers in the world that matter to us, and then others where you go, well, I hope they matter. But like on the pack side, Sportsman's Warehouse is our biggest account, and we're the most important pack company for them for on the pack side. We haven't been able to get their apparel guy's attention because he's flooded with you know the decisions of the apparel guys before him, and they have a million yeah. different things in their stupid stores. And but meanwhile. You know, Johnny Morris from Bass Pro bought Cabela's and then he bought Sports Warehouse. Yeah. And uh, and you look at that whole big box world and go, well, I don't know. You know, they're they're really not focused on brands like ours, apparently. And and so where that ends up, we'll see. I uh, my and I look at it. And I, go, I don't I don't care. You know, my my ultimate belief is that if I do the right things with my company. If companies like that still exist in five or ten years, then they'll really want us there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and if they, you know, meanwhile, uh, yeah, we're uh, open for business. And so and, you and, guys aren't in, in. So we're in Sportsman's as well, but you yeah. guys, I mean, we're rolling out right now. Good. But you guys yeah. aren't in Bass Pro or Cabela's right now. We have we've been in Cabela's a little bit, but just on the periphery. We were How there. Would you we not were, be we, in Bass Pro. Like, well, they their their focus is on like a 1995 price point, you know, and yeah. and, and and so uh, you know, and we've been in there years ago. We did a run with them, but uh, it's just sort of a funny thing where that you look if you really you look at the glamour and glory of those stores and go, oh my gosh! And then, but if you look around, there's there's not a lot of. $200 plus product. In yeah. There. And there should and, be though. There yeah, should yeah, be. Yeah, I mean, like, be. like the consumer, I think is <laughs> yeah. now paying more attention to this, not this Walmart or Kmart model where you go in and the expectation is you don't spend a lot of money because you don't want the right solution. You just want a solution. Right. But if you want the right solution, which I think hunters, tactical guys, they want to buy the, the nice Tacoma because they know that Tacoma is reliable and Toyota makes a good product. So they're going to pay more for it. Right. And what I don't get, and I, you know, I've seen do it right is Shulman's. Yeah. You know, Shulman, uh, Shulman's has the, the, or Shulman's? Shields. Shields. Why, yeah. Where does Shulman's come from? I, don't <laughs> yeah. know. I was thinking okay. Shulman. Yeah. Shields. Yeah. Uh, somebody told me that, um, I think it was the CEO of Sportsman's. Um, we we're talking about how that store and they have uh, like a buyer but like a representative, like a manager for each section. Yeah. And so they're looking locally, but they're also looking regionally to source the best things to put in that model. And that might be the more expensive thing. Right. And and so I, I this idea that, I mean, everybody pushes us like, stay in direct to consumer, stay direct. And that's a thing. But I like the idea of being able to go to a store or a shop where you have the highest quality things that I look for anyway. Right. And it's just there. And maybe right. there's options. But I have gone into some of those stores, and you look, and you look at every tag, and you go, "Dude, everything here is made in China." Right. And it, you know, I, I went to a Western Wear company uh, store down the road here in Heber, and ninety-five percent of that store is made in China. Oh, I mean, and I, it, I was like, "Ah, oh, that kind of hurts weird. my chest." Yeah, yeah. yeah. All right, guys, final podcast ad before we wrap this thing up, and that is the company Ten Thousand. 10,000.cc is the website. And if you use the coupon code fieldcraft, you will get 15% off of your order. I wear 10,000s athletic shorts in a lot of the rucks that I do, the hikes that I do, uh, the running that I do. They've got internal compression shorts that I simply love. Uh, 10,000 also makes some pretty damn good field pants that aren't kind of excess with like their fabric. 
and they stretch and they move with you. So I'm a flexible dude. I'll tell you that I've had pants rip on me uh, just when I get down to like a squatting position with like an AR or when I'm getting into position for like a precision rifle. Um, I'll tell you that I wear 10,000 pants and I love them. So I think you guys should definitely check them out. Um, 10,000 is offering our listeners 15% off if you go to their website, which is 10,000.cc and enter the code fieldcraft. Um, I'm not the only one that likes 10,000. I know that some of the guys in our company rock them all the time. And they're, like I said, they're great for rucking, swimming, lifting, pretty much all around beating these things up. Uh, folks in the Navy SEALs, Marine Raiders, Army Green Braves, other SF guys, they all wear them. Um, and you got a whole bunch of pro athletes that are wearing them as well. So I think they're great shorts, great pants. They've got a lot of functional features. You're going to love them. Check them out. 10,000.cc coupon code Fieldcraft, 15% off. All right, let's wrap up this podcast. Here we go. So if the, if the retail thing's not the primary, the direct consumer market is, is the primary objective. Well, yeah. I mean, there's a brand uh, Kuyu out there that is all the that, that, Yeah, they've really done a good job well, of, of yeah. showing how that business model works, and and we're absolutely willing and able to play that game, and we're going in that direction. But that said, um, you know they they've really made a point of not working with dealers, and I look at that and I go, that's a, I think that's a tactical error, uh, or not? I think that's a, a strategic error um, because you know we have dealers in improbable places like there's a guy in indiana that's got a great store of eberly stock stuff before that this stuff even gets there yeah um you know a place where you wouldn't think you'd sell many big packs or whatever he's he's got a he's he, he's a great advocate for us and so people you know from his region can drive five hours or whatever is to his store and see our stuff you know and, and people want to do that if they if they're not if they haven't experienced it yeah. direct consumer you know is work it works people can order it and it shows up the next day or two days later and that that's great you know you know amazon has changed the game certainly for that that's their their big part of of the future or the current world at least too um but i, I like the idea of having dealers out there that where people who maybe hadn't experienced our stuff can see it or it's, it's, it's weird, weird was like even in idaho there's a little store in Grangeville, Idaho, in the middle of nowhere uh, called Bray Brothers. And you walk in there and it's just cool. It's got a cool vibe and you want to yeah. be there. And they've got Everly stock and Black Rifle coffee. And I <laughs> love kinda, that. It's kind of neat. Yeah. Well, there's ba your bags yeah. too that you, you become a believer when you hold the bag, when you yeah. pick it up and you're like, oh, now, like I understand everything now. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's hard to, I, I think that's the gap, right. For people kind of missing that experience for dealers yeah. is you want people to kind of experience that visceral right, thing right, right. with your product yeah. interact with it yeah. and that you can only do so much online I, I do like qu's ability to like revolve the product see into the material see yeah. the the specs which i think is to their uh yeah. success part of their success yeah, yeah. but i also like the fact that you can go somewhere and shop it like mystery ranch has done a, a good job at doing that yeah. i see mystery ranch in these small mom and pop shops all yeah. over the place yeah, yeah. um what do what is the next rollout? Is there something, is there any like, I don't know, uh, uh, deeply seated uh, rollouts that you could tell us about that that's coming out? What's the next kind of gate for, for mm, your company? Interesting. Uh, well, I mean, we're always pushing forward on the pack side. You yeah. know, we, we, they're, they're, this, the funny thing is there are things that we've 
had for 10 years that we forgot to tell people about. And so, the, right. so part of the, you know, kind of the, the wake up call for me was, you know, was realizing that, that we were being eclipsed by companies that shouldn't be eclipsing us just because I was the guy, that, you know, and I was harnessed to somebody who kind of prevented me from building the darn company. So, um, you know, getting past that, you know, about, starting about 2016 was where I was like, okay, it's there's enough of that. It's yeah. time for us to start, you know, communicating and advocating for for who we are and what we've done and uh, and what we have and what, where we're going. And so, uh, the problem though is there was just too much to talk about. You know, we had we had so much stuff that we hadn't really communicated that that just you know working through that process has taken five years. Mm. Um, we feel like we're getting pretty well caught up now. And also at some point you go, well, stuff that we, you know, some stuff just doesn't matter. We need to move forward. And so, um, you know, we are maturing on the communication side, on the marketing side, on the, you know, there's just because people have to know, you know, and it's fun for, if, if you do it right, it's fun for everybody to, to, to see what you're doing and yeah. to, to see the new things. And so, um, you know, there's still quite a bit of work coming on the bag side. Uh, you know, we're, we're excitedly working on, the right formula of our traditional strengths of being strong uh, and robust, but also then, you know, how do we make it lighter? How do we take a pound off here and there? And so lightening the gears is, is, yeah. is a, is a main thrust on the pack side uh, and expressing uh, and displaying this, this thing that we call the E-Mod, the Eberly stock modular system that's, evolved from those 2005 days that you're talking about mm -hmm. till now, you know, we have things that, that zip on and clip on that you can have a product that's 10 years old and it still works with it. And realize the potential of this, that the ability to scale bags, whoops, um, we're really good at it. And we have a mm -hmm. mature system and, and that's just going to get better because now we're actually paying attention to it. But the, the E-Mod system on the back side is pretty exciting. We're, and we, we, that's, 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 we're cranking on that. And, a smaller scale version of that. We have a small uh, chest system now, a bino system that's going to be pretty cool coming out nice. uh, this year. Yeah, and uh, uh, we're going to call that the the recon uh, bino system, and it's a you know mix and match harness system. Nice, kind of cool. Yeah. yeah, and then on the apparel side, there's a bunch of stuff, and you, you look at that and go, okay, you know. The launch is over. Now it's time for us to have a line. And so we've got my, my, my man Troy's got, well, which gloves do you like? I'm like, all of them. Wow. <laughs> well, we can't make all of them, but we have, you know, we have cool, uh, you know, the targeted uh, you know, uh, rollout of gloves, hats, uh, uh, base layers, merino stuff. Yeah. Uh, you just quite a bit of stuff coming that, that will kind of make people go, oh, yeah, they really are serious about apparel. And, yeah. Because what about that shirt? Is that shirt out yet? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. nice. But it won't fit you. You need, you know, you need. <laughs> Yeah, I need a little taken out of the, the forearm. Yeah. Um, yeah, but, yeah, but, that, yeah. So that uh, your apparel line has pretty much everything right now, and it's readily available. Oh yeah, okay. Yeah, we yeah we have a couple of good uh, pants sets, and uh, and and you know a few a few pieces that are just that were that were right right out of the gate. Like the the best one is a thing called the Bruno hoodie, which is just a, a lightweight hooded sun shirt, but it also works as a wind shirt, yeah. very flexible wizard body, and I've had tons of people say oh that's my favorite shirt you know nice. i always throw that in my pack and you know and and yeah if you're on a windy train platform in europe you put it on you're like oh cool yeah <laughs> or if you're you know in the sun fly fishing it's like oh yeah it's nice yeah so that'd be a big shirt around here that provo that middle provo here at river yeah. gets fished like crazy and i see dudes with the hoods over them yeah and i didn't realize why they were doing that it's like oh yeah because the sun's just beating on your yeah, neck yeah 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 like, right like beating on your neck on a range day yep I'm curious if you guys are dealing with the suppression issues because we're dealing with it 
and we're kind of preparedness wide. So we, it's first aid, it's everything. It's not just gun centric. And we deal it, deal with it on a massive scale. Are you I'm, dealing with it? And how, what are I'm, your tactics to kind of yeah, get around this? I'm, I'm surprised to hear you say that you are, yeah. um, that, that, that it's sort of sad that that's the case. Super and I, it, it, yeah. it, it just, the fact that we live in a country where that's an issue just astonishes me how that happened, but it, it's a fact. Um, yeah, we are known as a hunting brand, uh, and tactical side brand and, um, and absolutely, you know, have to unfortunately retrograde and, and recraft and reconstruct our message uh, that has to go through the channels that get it. Because if, if we look at, unfortunately, the, fa the fact is it matters if we're talking or not. If, if, if we have to, you know, engage through the big companies that were that are that are behind that question you just yeah. asked. Billions um, of people. Yeah. yeah. And so. We have to use their channels. There's, if those things are turned off, um, we our sales are decline instantly, and and so we go okay. Well, that means that we have to somehow play their game. And and fortunately, you know, I've I've got a good team, a, a really good team, you know, behind us that is very good at that game. You know, they they can go okay. They're just patient with the the ten ads that get rejected on whichever one of those platforms, and we make another one. Um, so, but that's, as you probably know, that sort of is a game of whack-a-mole. It's a moving target. You know, there, yeah. it, it seems like there's a lot of arbitrary. Uh, Automated processes. Yeah. yeah. It, or even some or humans, you know, there's wacky humans out there yeah. that get in the way. And they're in foreign countries. And, we, <laughs> yeah. we, we found out that our, our account was being monitored by an Indian company. Oh, so right. a subcontracted company from the big social media uh, companies yeah. subcontracted them. And what I was told by our insider into that company, they said culturally for them, it doesn't matter. Like you got flagged because you said these words uh. in our culture. It doesn't mean anything malice and intent in their culture. It means everything malice. Uh. So now we're dealing with the cultural bias. Right, right. And it's like, wouldn't, yeah. it's crazy. It's yeah. insane. Yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately it is. So, um, and we're, I think fortunate too, to be, first of all, the truth is we're a small scale, you know, we're, we're not at such a scale where we can't work around things like that. And we're, we're growing 30, 40% all the time anyway. And that's what we should be doing. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's, that's sort of just on that trajectory towards our potential. Um, and I'm sure as we get bigger, uh, well, and there have been things that happen along the way, like, like our brand was for some reason brought up. It was, I think a British publication, the guardian, uh, there's an editorial in there that used our brand as an example of how Facebook was, um, encouraging, you know, the kind of the Trumpianism stuff. And, and it was a weird thing because they, 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 you know, they're showing about how a bag company, you know, uses guns to market its products and blah, blah, blah. And, and we're like, oh, God, that's us. Wow. <laughs> yeah. But we didn't really get blowback from it as we kind of thought we would. And, and, and along the way, you go, OK, you know, and there's just a flood of stuff going on in the world around us. And we're part of the flood. And so, uh, uh, you know. You just work through it in the moment and keep carrying on. And, and at the same time, you know, we have, like you asked earlier about some of the new stuff. We, we have some really cool everyday packs, some like some nice, uh, you know, go hike up one of these mountains with a picnic in it, you know, or, or you know, everyday bags um, that don't have to be associated with the tactical side. Because the truth is, 
you were a good American company, and there's some companies that maybe you know if people compared us to others, they might go, yeah, I want to buy from that brand, and they might not want a gun pack, but they might want an everyday go hiking pack. Yeah, and we've got some sure. cool stuff that you know we that we can kind of we're not trying to displace you know the the main players in the blue and red pack space, but but we can certainly compete with them all day long. We have better products and probably better pricing. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, uh, and we're a good, you know, honor, honorable company. So, uh, that, you know, the ability to go for markets like that and maybe, cause I, there have to be a lot of Americans that are just tired of the BS, you oh, know, that yeah. look around and go, you know what, I, I that company, I'm not going to buy their stuff because of this. And I think that way of a lot of brands that I used to think highly of now i'm like nope not buying that yeah you know and and i hope that there are a lot more people like me out there that go you know what okay because that everly stock guy there those are good guys we're gonna go there <laughs> I, I love that loyalty to brands you can't get away from it i mean i thought as an entrepreneur like that wasn't a thing like you shouldn't associate politics with or, yeah. or value and belief but when as you grow a business you realize it's all about the the integration of your values and beliefs and how you run your company yeah and so that matters to people and yeah. i think that's what i love about uh, that's one of the things i love about social media is now where companies and people we're kind of hiding you know it, it's impossible to hide now right and and the tactics are be really good at hiding or be very open and transparent about your position and how you feel, which I, I think is the benefit of podcast and yeah, educating consumers right. on kind of yeah. uh, how who you are, how you feel, and uh, I think it, it's a bit, the benefit of the conversation that's that's had. I want to ask you a uh, last question um, because I think it's always impactful to have entrepreneur leaders on podcast because uh, right. a lot of people pay attention in business, um, even inspiring to own a, their own business. Sure. Uh, but it also applies obviously to life. Um, what are some tactics? Like if you had to name, um, a couple of things that kind of are your mantra for leadership and for entrepreneurship, uh, even in just generally in life, hmm. what are a couple of things that you use, um, daily in your routines that are just tactics that have benefited you and your successes? Okay. I think that the interesting question. And uh, a lot of that, I think the answer comes to me personally is just, my personality is um, I'm not good at faking anything. So, you know, being authentic is mm. probably the first thing that comes to mind uh, in, in things that matter. Uh, and alongside of that is, you know, recognizing that you're not the best at anything. You're not, you know, I, if, if, if you have the right amount of humility added to your your, your process, that's a good thing because you recognize that there's always the ability to do things better. Mm. And, and so, uh, I'm just oddly, I'm satisfied in life. I feel like I'm successful in life, but at the same time, I look at the things I've done or I'm doing, or I'm, you know, I'm always like, is that good enough? Mm. <laughs> is that, you know, can we, how can it be better? And, and every time we make something, that's how I look at it. I'm like, yeah, well, it's okay. Somebody says they like it. I'm like, oh, you do? Mm. <laughs> I'm honored. But uh, but but I think that's actually pretty healthy, you know, it, just to put a filter on and go, okay, you know, we strive for excellence. Absolutely. You know, make the best. And we do, I think, make some of the best stuff that's made. No, but I look at it, well, it can be better. Yeah. <laughs> and that's it's interesting, but I think that's that's kind of a healthy way to look at all things. Yeah. Uh, you're, you're constantly striving for perfection. It's like a yeah. constant journey. Yeah, you're never going to get there. You're never going to get but there. But you can look at it and go, well, it, you know, what can be better? And uh, that's, that's a, I think, a very healthy uh, part of it. 
so authenticity and, and you know excellence meaning not you know you're there but you're just striving for i think are the, are the two things that are right there and then you know don't fake anything yeah <laughs> that's part of the authenticity thing uh and then as far as the entrepreneur side i mean my secret to success has been that um I've always known that, you know, if the, if the wheel stopped turning would be all right, you know, there, I, I've never been over leveraged and I've never, you know, had to ask anybody for money. And, um, you know, I've been prudent and I think, you know, prudence isn't one of those virtues that people forget about. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I love it. Uh, perfect way to end a podcast. I appreciate you taking the time to come out here. Can you uh, let people know, um, kind of like what are some outlets, for your company and for you personally, do you actually have social media at all? Do you? Oh yeah, you use, yeah. What, what's your yeah. Per, per, if you could well, if you want to give it out? Again. Okay. Well, I, I'm I, when you say personally. So so Eberly Stock is you know we're we're active obviously uh, you know on uh, I mean primarily on Instagram and Facebook at, at Eberly Stock. That's that's easy and you know there's it's interesting people seem to like following us and so I'm like okay cool yeah you guys got um, YouTube as well YouTube yeah yeah yep. and and again that's that's more fledgling, uh, you know, we, we, it's there, but it's going to get better in the near future. Um, me personally, I, I, you know, honestly, I live in my own private Idaho, literally. I mean, I, 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 I'm disengaged from the world a lot more than I used to be. And I'm kind of glad to be at this point, but, uh, at Glenn Eberly stock is mine. So it's, uh, you know, at G L E N and then company Eberly stock. And it's just mostly me flying airplanes around Idaho and screwing around, <laughs> awesome. <laughs> which, yeah, which is awesome. Yeah, Idaho is a beautiful, yeah, beautiful state. Yeah. Um, so uh, it, those are, you know, kind of where, where we exist. And then obviously on that, you know, the primary place to see Everly stock is at everlystock.com. Awesome. Cool. Yeah. Glenn, thanks for being on the podcast. Uh, Mike, man. I appreciate yeah. it. Thank, Thank you. you. Thanks for the invitation. Thanks yeah. guys.